This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. We got your top 200 study guide, 31 page PDF. Uh, absolutely no cost to you, simply an email uh, to get you on our uh, subscription list and we uh, email you out when we've got new podcasts and content available. So again, absolutely no cost to you, reallifepharmacology.com, uh, go subscribe and get that free top 200 study guide. Appreciate the support uh, there, of course, as always. The drug of the day today is renolazine. Brand name of this medication is Renexa, and I specifically had somebody reach out uh, that wanted this drug covered, and I uh, will certainly oblige. I can't say it's a drug that I see used really often. Um, I can say it's probably a medication I've maybe seen 10 to 20 times in my career, so very, very uh, seldom is this medication used. Uh, its primary use and the only use I've ever seen it used for uh, is chronic angina. It does have the off-label use of uh, ventricular tachycardia. I've never seen it used for that, uh, so I really don't have any experience uh, in seeing it for that. But that is an off, a reported off-label use. So with that chronic angina, that's obviously what I'm going to focus on most uh, it is not intended for acute relief. So it's nothing like sublingual nitroglycerin, for example. So that's first uh, patient education point to remember. It's not going to uh, generally alleviate quickly uh, a uh, an episode of angina or chest pain. Now, most often for chronic angina, the drugs that are utilized for kind of chronic management and reducing uh, angina symptoms over time are beta blockers. Uh, you'll see calcium channel blockers used as well. Uh, and then nitrates you'll see used too. Uh, renolazine can be used in combination or as an alternative uh, to any of those agents. Now, most clinicians are going to be familiar and comfortable uh, much more so in using beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, because we use them all the time for many other uh, comorbid indications as well as hypertension. Uh, it is, renolazine does have twice daily dosing, so that's definitely a downside to the medication. Uh, dosage forms 500 and 1,000 milligrams. Mechanism of action. How does this drug reduce angina symptoms? So, it blocks sodium channels, uh, what are called inward sodium channels, uh, in cardiac tissue. This prevents sodium from getting into cells, and because there's less sodium in cells, that can help to reduce calcium. So how does it reduce that calcium? Well, if you have lower sodium, that impacts the sodium-calcium exchanger. 
and doesn't allow it to uh, work as efficiently as it normally would if there's adequate sodium around. So ultimately, the impacts on that sodium-calcium exchanger leads to lower intracellular calcium, and that's going to lead to reduced activity of those cardiac cells. So reduced uh, things like uh, oxygen demand, for example, which plays a significant role uh, in the symptoms of angina. So kind of a long, convoluted mechanism of action, uh, but ultimately it acts on inward sodium channels, uh, which impacts the functioning of the sodium-calcium exchanger and ultimately lowers calcium uh, within the cell and reduces the activity of cardiac cells because of that. Uh, adverse effect profile. Uh, from an anecdotal standpoint, just knowing how few times I've seen this medication used, I have not noticed any specific or specific nasty reactions or anything like that. Uh, if you look at the literature, percentages are very low as far as adverse effect profile goes. Um, I would pay attention to blood pressure and pulse. Uh, there has been some reports of dipping that further, which you're probably going to be anyway. Many of these patients are probably already on a beta blocker, potentially a nitrate, potentially or potentially a calcium channel blocker or a combination of those. Um, so you're going to be looking at that anyway. Um, so that's something to monitor. And then uh, QTC interval has been reported. So prolonging uh, the QTC interval has been reported as happening with renolazine. Uh, use cautiously in patients greater than 75. There is a warning on that, or a, a precaution, I should say, not a, not a boxed warning or anything. Um, it is primarily broken down um, and its activity ceased by the liver. So patients with cirrhosis, you're generally going to, or significant liver impairment, you're generally going to avoid this medication. Uh, it is a substrate of CYP3A4 and does have some activity on CYP3A4 as well as 2D6. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more extensively um, in the uh, drug interaction sections for sure. Lastly, as far as a couple other pharmacokinetic thing, again, that I'll go through more in detail uh, in the drug interaction sections, um, OCT inhibition and P-glycoprotein inhibition as well. And I'll talk about a few drugs that may be impacted by that uh, in drug interactions after the break. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material, NAPLEX, BCGP, BCPS, ambulatory care, BCMTMS, go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a great list of resources, entire packages to help you prepare and pass your exam. If you're a nurse, physician, med student, any other healthcare professional, we've got growing lists of books and resources there on case studies, drug interactions, uh, all sorts of real-world uh, clinical practice pearls, perils of polypharmacy, and drug interactions in primary care are probably two of the most uh, highly rated books that I've recently put out uh, where there's a lot of good clinical information. So again, go check out all those resources, links, uh, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, drug interactions. So 
In my opinion, this is why renolazine is not used very often. There are lots of drug interactions to be concerned about. So obviously I mentioned CYP3A4 in its uh, kinetics issues there. So drugs that are inhibitors or inducers of CYP3A4 are going to affect concentrations of renolazine. So renolazine is a substrate of CYP3A4, so it is primarily broken down by CYP3A4. So strong inhibitors uh, such as erythromycin, grapefruit juice, diltiazem, verapamil, and keep in mind diltiazem and verapamil are calcium channel blockers, so there is potential that you could see these used uh, to manage angina. And adding on these CYP3A4 inhibitors is going to increase concentrations of renolazine and obviously increase the risk for adverse effects. Uh, on the flip side, we've got CYP3A4 inducers, uh, carbamazepine, phenytoin, phenobarbital, St. John's wort, rifampin. All these drugs can lower concentrations of renolazine and potentially make the drug uh, ineffective or less effective. Now, I also want to point out that renolazine itself has some impacts on CYP3A4. It's got some weak CYP3A4 inhibition. So any drug that is broken down by CYP3A4 or deactivated by CYP3A4, it could increase the activity or, and or concentrations of those medications. So uh, tons of examples here, but um, alprazolam and triazolam are a couple uh, benzodiazepines, for example, that come to mind. Uh, so there's lots and lots of drugs uh, that may be impacted by that. Now, it is only a weak uh, or considered a weak CYP3A4 inhibitor. So how clinically significant that is, you know, could depend on a lot of things, whether it's dose uh, or, you know, how often it's being taken, that type of thing. Um, those are, are definitely some things that, that play a role in how significant uh, an interaction might be. Other actions of renolazine are plenty. Uh, so it does have some inhibitory activity on P-glycoprotein. Uh, drugs like colchizine may be affected. Uh, increased concentrations there. Uh, digoxin is another one that's theorized uh, to be affected by P-glycoprotein inhibition, so it could lead to an increased risk for digoxin toxicity. Uh, QTC prolongation. I think I alluded to that earlier, that that is a possibility with renolazine. Obviously, if we give this medication uh, to patients who are at risk for that or on other drugs that may increase that risk, uh, that can be a potential issue. Again, a reminder, uh, some of the quinolones like levofloxacin, uh, antipsychotics can cause QTC prolongation, uh, certain antidepressants like citalopram, uh, amiodarone, other antiarrhythmics. These are all meds that can cause QT prolongation and adding renolazine on top of that could increase that risk. And then one last drug interaction. Uh, renolazine does have some inhibitory activity on OCT. So if you remember from Metformin podcast, which was maybe a couple of years ago now, uh, if not, go back and listen to it. Uh, metformin 
is significantly eliminated uh, by OCT. So basically this is a transporter in the kidney uh, that metformin basically goes through and is transported out of the body through that transporter. So ultimately what you need to know, renolazine could potentially increase the concentrations of metformin and potentially lead to increased risk for adverse effects like diarrhea, GI upset, uh, and also potentially uh, the severe adverse effect with metformin of lactic acidosis. So uh, lots of drug interactions to pay attention to with renolazine. Uh, It's why, honestly, I think I don't see it used hardly ever uh, anymore. I feel like I saw a little bit more use when it first came out, Um, but it has a ton of drug interactions. So if you're thinking about prescribing it yourself or if you see a patient that's on this medication, uh, you'd definitely be well advised to uh, do a drug interaction screen and make sure you know which medications are going to be affected by this medication and which medications may affect the concentrations of renolazine. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That's greatly appreciated. Obviously, share us, friends, classmates, colleagues. I'm trying to help as many people learn pharmacology as I possibly can. Uh, That's one of uh, my primary missions in what I do uh, in the world of pharmacy. So, Please uh, share the podcast. Uh, if you're so inclined, check out the books, meded101.com slash store and or study resources. Uh, if you're a pharmacist, if you want to track me down, if you've got a suggestion for the podcast, mededucation101 at gmail.com, or you can track me down at LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.